On today's Stuck In, I am deep in my cups and will try my absolute best, especially not to get caught sleeping blackout drunk with a couple of thirst-trapping English lasses. Hint, hint. We do a proper roundup of Europe, and yes, even the Conference League, and there's so much to talk about we didn't even mention Harry Kane. Plus, a great interview with my friend Adam, who will edumacate your asses on the youth soccer landscape of Maine. Yes, you heard that right, Maine. So without further ado, it's time to get stuck in. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, one more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Today is Thursday, August 19th, and let me just get this out of the way right now. I am as drunk as Wayne Rooney at a Manchester hotel after party. Uh, I myself am at a bachelor party in New Orleans, and to be honest, it's hard not to have an absurd amount of alcohol in your system down here. So yeah, we're just going to go with it. Uh, Jared, you'll probably have to carry the load, although I have been told I can operate pretty cleanly, even with a BAC of like 0.25, so uh, we'll see what happens. Well, anyways... Uh, since I broached the topic, why don't we just start with that? Darby County, woof. Yeah, this one's an interesting one. Obviously, they're, they're a club that has been in and out of the Premier League, you know, in the past uh, couple decades, currently on a run of not being there, being in the championship. But they have had the uh, really a, a summer from hell. Uh, the Rooney picture is uh, probably the most superficial of the problems they have it, it looks really bad but at the end of the day like the guy went to a party and got drunk like that just happens it's not ideal uh it's not a great look it also doesn't help that it's really not the first time this has happened with rooney but if a guy wants to get loaded with a bunch of like 20 year old girls you know i guess his wife might care but i certainly don't give a shit well yeah and, and we'll get to that we'll localize it because i believe there was also an incident at dulles airport uh when he was at dc united uh but we'll get to, get to that but anyways yeah wayne rooney I, I like if you guys haven't seen the pictures i think like some super reputable uh and you know great news outlet like the mirror uh or the sun has the photos so go ahead and have a look for yourself um but yeah the bottom line is uh, I, I do kind of feel bad for him a little bit um and i and i seriously don't blame him for getting blackout drunk uh, the, 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 like all the time. Uh, I, I just, first of all, he is English after all. Um, but then just like his situation right now, Jared, I mean, poor Darby County, right? Uh, I, I know they just, they recently got a result against Hull City. I, I kind of <laughs> prepped this a couple of days ago before they got that result. But, um, you know, basically they were, uh, well, let's look at it uh, game by game, right? So obviously they draw Huddersfield in their first championship game of the season, which isn't like too terrible or whatever. But then they go and play Salford City, tier four, 
four uh, league two team uh, in the EFL Cup and barely squeaked by on penalties. Then they lose to Peterborough uh, in uh, the championship uh, and then obviously get that win against Hull City. But I, I think the bigger thing, Jared, about this is um, you, you, you have a manager here that, who's basically got both of his hands tied behind his back, right? He has no transfers, uh, the, the, the transfer ban. He's not even allowed to promote U23s up to the first team. Uh, and also, by the way, uh, they like Derby County haven't even put like tickets on sale or something like that. So the stadium yeah. are only half, the stadium's only half full. So like, holy shit, man, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting drunk for uh, for work related stresses, you certainly have to have to give him, you know, the tip of the cap there and, and understand that. As you kind of alluded to, they're currently under a transfer embargo. Uh, this is essentially they're in such bad financial shape that the that the you know, the English league system will not let them uh, sign players. They needed a special dispensation from the league just to actually be able to sign enough players to actually have a full squad. Uh, this was back, you know, late last month before the season started. They pretty much, and this is why they had like, you know, five, 10 different guys on like these free, uh, like essentially free trials, like Rovell Morrison from Jamaica was one of them. I think Phil right. Jadelka was also one. And these guys were just there to try and sign these like short-term contracts because they weren't allowed to really pay transfer fees or anything. Um, you know, there are a couple owners that are looking to buy them, but they, they're, they're holding off because of there's potential financial fair play penalties. Uh, coming down the for for Derby here because you know again this is like the old you know when you see what Manchester City does and all that nothing happens and then poor Derby is going to you know Derby County is going to be hit the hit with the hammer because they you know are in debt by like a million pounds or whatever you know it really makes you question that whole thing anyway but um, and as you said about the tickets uh, they were this was actually a COVID situation apparently that they weren't sure how many people they wanted in the crowd because of the, you know the COVID situation. In that area, they finally decided, I think, literally yesterday that they're going to start releasing a lot more tickets. So hopefully the income increases in the near future. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's everything that could possibly be going wrong is. And, you know, you listed the results and they're not great. But in a weird way, it's really not that bad considering how bad the situation is there. Well, right. I, and, and even given the situation, they might be out kicking their coverage a little bit. So, again, Wayne Rooney. Good on you. I, I, I salute you. Uh, drown your sorrows. Uh, and, and, and yeah, maybe we won't bring up the dullest thing. I think it was really just him making a scene at the airport when he was at DC United, whatever. Of course, his PR team sweeps that under the rug, too. But yeah, again, look at the photos. It's incredible. It's literally just him passed out. And the, well, and, and the girls, right? I mean, they're like, they're, they're uh, you know, showing their, their whale tail, you know, Mooney Roonies. And well, I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I think we've said enough about about that. Uh, but moving on to actual uh, footballing news here, Jared, um, obviously this is our uh, very first, well, I, I would call it really our first real midweek um, episode where uh, we're, we're mostly going to focus on the midweek action, you know, whether it's European play, Champions League, Europa League. Now we have this uh, incredible conference league, right? And then of course, you know, you'll get the, the random, you know, FA Cup and, and that type of thing uh, midweek. But, but yeah, so uh, can you give us a, uh, a Europe check-in? So what's going on? On, other than uh well i won't i won't bear the lead but you know yeah, Brennan well, yeah I, mean, I mean the first yeah well we'll get there in a minute but the first thing i did want to mention was the uh the kind of the german uh you know cup uh their kind of community shield between Bayern and dortmund always a good game early in the season and you know there's been a lot of talk if you listen to podcasts or you listen to the media and whatever there's a lot of talk about this year being the year that dortmund's gonna you know overthrow uh Bayern for the title holland obviously is still there and we saw what he did over the weekend and Bayern really hasn't you know, made any drastic improvements to the squad. But, you know, Bayern put an early, you know, an early marker down and said, look, 
if you're going to, you know, take this title away from us, if you're going to end the, you know, the 10 years or whatever that we've had it, you're going to have to earn it. And, you know, even though it's just like the community shield or whatever, both teams played, you know, pretty strong lineups and Byron gets the win. Lewandowski gets two goals as he is wont to do. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the first game that I kind of focused on during the midweek. And I thought was a pretty good, pretty good game, especially when you consider, you know, some of the other preseason friendlies or, or early season matches that we have seen. Yeah. And, and that one, I watched that one as well, Jared. And it seemed to me like it was pretty typical, just like, okay, Byron hadn't gotten a result, right? Nagelsmann, new manager and everything. And, uh, but when it comes to uh, the games that actually matter, when silverware is up for grabs, Bayern Munich just show up and they just pummel you. And they, and they did pummel uh, Dortmund. I mean, there was a yeah. glimmer of hope, I think, with Royce's goal. But, but ultimately, Bayern Munich were the better team and they deserved the Super Cup. Yeah. So, and I, th- and as we talked about in the preview, I think Germany is going to be the most, probably the most exciting league, uh, if not the most hectic. And I really do, you know, and I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I think that this game kind of gives you that, that, that heads up that this is going to be for real and that, you know, Bayern's not going down without a, a very strong fight. So. Gotcha. You know. and, and Jared, while we're on Germany, can you also give us um, a quick shout on Wolfsburg? Apparently they can't count. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can count. They just don't know all the rules. They were thrown out of the German Super Cup, the DFB Pokal. Uh, for, I believe they were playing a fourth-tier side as well. We talked about that, you know, with Derby uh, playing, struggling with a fourth-tier side. Um, they went to extra time, and they made a sixth substitution, and they were under the impression that the uh, Pokal had the sixth sub rule that many tournaments have. Uh, the referees apparently in that game, which they don't aren't, aren't, you know, mandated to do, but you'd like to think would help them out a little bit, did not really dissuade them of the notion that there was a sixth sub. Uh, and they made a sixth one and um, they were thrown out. They are trying to appeal. We're going to see how that goes. But I will say that as, as pissed off as they kind of are about the situation, they did take it in stride. They actually, um, for their first game uh, at home against Botchum over the weekend, they did offer all their ticket holders and, their, and the fans a buy five tickets, get one free promotion. Uh, so buy, that, buy five, get one free. Yeah, buy five tickets and get a six for free. So even though they're not happy with it and they are, uh, you know, throwing it up the ladder to try and get it overturned, at least they are taking it with uh, some of that same German humor. Oh, that, well, yes, they are world <laughs> renowned for being just so fucking funny. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on, Jared, uh, obviously Germany. Yeah, like you said, a lot going on and a lot to look forward to. Uh, what else happened in Europe? Uh, yeah, so uh, we got the first legs of those Champions League playoff rounds. Again, this is the last round before the group stage. Uh, a couple, you know, kind of big stories, a couple games that weren't, you know, super interesting. I think in terms of like teams that might make uh, a little bit of noise in the group stage, you have Shakhtar Donetsk go on the road at Monaco, win one nothing. Uh, so they put themselves in pretty good position. Of course, Shakhtar is always a tough, you know, tough place to play in Ukraine. Always seems to give even some really good teams a, a struggle out there. So that's one to note. I think the surprise would be Sheriff Tiraspol. Uh, mm. 3-0 win at home against Dinamo Zagreb, who, again, is another club that, you know, kind of tends to be in the group stage every now and then and, and isn't easy to play against. But, you know, they're going to have to do a, a, a world of work. Um, but I guess if anyone can do it, it's them. Didn't they? Weren't they? It was Zagreb that beat Tottenham last year in the Europa League after overturning a big uh, deficit, if I remember correctly. So maybe they have one more in the bag. We go more American centric because you know I love a good American story. Mm. Uh, Michael, Jared, get get an American oh, uh, mega boner. One more. We got one more before that. We got one more before the <laughs> mega We have Michael Jackson's favorite club, Young Boys, three two, at home over Fernsebos of Hungary. 
Uh, and they actually get this win 3-2 despite being down a man for 65 minutes. They scored three goals with 10 guys on the field. Uh, but they did give up the two road goals, so they will have to go on the on the road and still, you know, play well. Uh, but that has, they have American striker uh, Jordan Pifak or Jordan Sibichu, you might know him as. So uh, that's a good mm. result. But the big one is was in Austria, Salzburg, in the 90th minute. Medford Messi, Brendan Aronson. Comes on at halftime, uh, helps uh, create the first goal, and then scores the winner as they win two to one at home over Bromby. And you know, a lot of you know people are saying that he is not long for Austria; that it won't be too long before he will be moving across to, uh, to into Germany for Leipzig. So you know, he's been there obviously now since January, and he's just been uh, uh, fantastic. He's been successful; has been one of their best players, and uh, has continued as they take one step closer to the Champions League group stage. Yeah, and, and it's not just a charity case. I mean, this kid is actually quality. He is scoring game-winning goals in the Champions League. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, uh, I'm just pleased as punch. Uh, and obviously, Jared, you're going you're gonna to keep us updated on that. Uh, one thing, actually, I, I wanted to ask you real quick. I, I, I think we saw for the, for the first time in a long time, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, in, in Europe, um, we actually saw a Scottish team uh, win a qualification, uh, kind of like knockout stage uh, Champions League game. Is that, is that right? Like, do my eyes deceive me? Because this is like rarer than a blue moon. Champions League? Who won a Champions League game? Yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe it's wrong. Like again, I'm I'm in a you know uh, a daiquiri infused haze over here, but I, I think Celtic may have won uh, like a Champions League qualifier. I, I don't know. They won a they won a Europa League qualifier. They took care of oh, all that. Okay, from the Czech okay, gotcha. They're still alive there. They're actually they actually just won the uh, I believe they won the first leg of their uh, you know their playoff round in the Europa League against AZ. Uh, other than that, there's really not too much going on in the Europa League. I do have to say, currently as we record going on in the Europa Conference League, which is where the big boys play. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur is currently in action against Paco de Ferreira, and we know it's a very important match when they're playing all the big guns, starting at center back today, one Cameron Carter-Vickers. So we obviously know that mm. Spurs know where their bread is buttered, and they are, they are taking this one very seriously by starting the American. And you know, it is a very big deal also when the manager, Lord Voldemort, uh, he who shall not be named, uh, says that this is going to be more like a Champions League knockout stage tie uh, than a Europa Conference League game. So go fuck yourself, Jose. Uh, Anyway, by the way, also, you have to give Spurs credit for one thing. They also have, I can't remember, I think it's the the Craig twins. They actually have identical twins on the bench in this match. So, I mean, that's always an interesting one. I believe that's the first time in club history that that has actually happened. Yeah, no, let's just hope there's no substitution errors there. Uh, subtweet Wolfsburg. Uh, well, anyways, um, yeah, no, obviously Europe is, is heating up. Uh, we now have not one, not two, but three competitions uh, to follow. And uh, yeah, Jared, we're, we're obviously going to stay on top of that throughout the year. Uh, but moving on, um, before we get to our, our interview here, um, the, the Syria first weekend preview. Now, I, I just want to clear something up here. I know I said last uh, a couple of episodes, you know, that uh, the, all the major, you know, all the domestic leagues have started up and, uh, you know, we did, you know, this, that and the other thing with La Liga and the Premier League and all that. Um, but yeah, Serie A had not started up, uh, obviously. But but just remember, I said that all major domestic leagues um, had already started up last week. And quite frankly, Serie A, just like this podcast, is, is very much a farmer's league. Um, but we can spend just a, a few seconds on it. Jared, do, do you see anything that's worthwhile about this first weekend of, wow. of Syria? You know, I was looking for the match to pick for this and I, and I really didn't see much that really drew the, uh, 
There's you know, nothing, kind of right? Inspire. I think the best game is probably like uh, maybe like a, a Torino Atlanta. Right. I was going to go with Atlanta because I'm with you. I think they're sleepers. You know, to finish second, maybe, maybe even you know, kiss the title. You know, be kissing it at the end, uh, uh, challenging Juventus. I'm not sure. But other than that, dude, nothing here tickles my fancy. No, if they, I'm being honest, they didn't have that big opening weekend, and even you know, obviously the other leagues are in their second week. You know, I found a compelling game in, in the other three leagues. I just there was nothing here in Syria uh, that really uh, kind of drew my attention. I think the thing I'll probably pay attention to most early in the season is just kind of seeing how Inter kind of starts their season after what happened to them in the offseason and losing so much talent. I think it will probably be very indicative in the first few games of the season to see um, kind of kind of where they're headed. Uh, and I think that if they start losing a couple games early on, then it might be a long season for them. But again, it's not like it's a match that you have to watch. It's just kind of like a result that you want to keep your eye on. As I said, I think the other leagues all have something that is definitely inherently more interesting and infinitely more watchable. So, uh, yeah, Syria, not this week. Yes, I agree with you. So we're just going to gloss right over that uh, and head uh, pretty much straight into uh, the interview. So, yes, up next, uh, who else? Uh, would the supporters want to hear uh, from other than a five foot four nerd uh, who hasn't played at a level any higher than pretty much like U12 rec uh, and also is for some reason a West Ham fan. Uh, but I promise he's a cool and insightful dude uh, and not tongue in cheek, I swear. Um, and he just might enjoy our chat. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's my interview with my longtime friend, longtime coaching associate, Adam Bender. Okay, I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, probably our best and most important guest of all time, uh, someone who I've been friends with for many years, coached alongside, uh, and helped run a club with, da -da 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 -da, and on down the line. Uh, I want to welcome on now Adam Bender. Uh, Adam, do you want to say hi to the supporters? Yeah, hey, you missed uh, great hair, but I'll leave that be. It is. I, as, as someone who is follicular challenged myself, uh, I am very jealous uh, of the fantastic head of hair uh, as you are now approaching. Well, actually, how old are you? Because you're like always like 20 years old, like in my head. But but are, are you upwards of, of uh, 30 yet? No, I'm not. I'm uh, I'm 27 this year. God, lucky boy. Uh, enjoy that youth while you still have it. Uh, well, anyways, uh, Adam, really excited to have you on. Um, I'm catching Adam at, at a very interesting time in his life. Uh, obviously, I spent most of my time with him uh, in the DMV area uh, around D.C. Um, you are currently, uh, along with the missus, on the way to St. Louis, uh, but currently your most recent stop um, in Maine. Maine, United States of America. Uh, can you tell us, Adam, what, what's the, what is the bubbling hotbed of soccer like in the state of Maine? Yeah, uh, bubbling indeed. It, I, to be honest with you, it's, it was a shock. It was a shock to go outside of the DMV as a soccer, a youth soccer landscape inside the States, to be honest with you, is it's, it's a strong one, as you're familiar. Um, but, you know, getting out into places primarily rural places, primarily, um, you know, more conservative places. It just is so lacking in quality and in quantity and um, just like the basics. So it's, it's the weirdest thing, but there's also these little strange pockets of both talent and um, really incredible facilities just out of nowhere. Um, so that's been like a really, really weird experience for me as, I don't know, someone who used to be involved in like, 
both high and low levels inside of a, a predominantly soccer friendly area. Well, right. And it must have been like total culture shock, right? Because you're going from the DMV area, which has, I mean, no less than, uh, you know, like 17 elite clubs, hundreds of, you know, turf synthetic fields and uh, an incredible critical mass of like, you know, player talent uh, and coaching ability and all that great stuff. Uh, and then you go to Maine, right, where like, I don't know, in my head, my dumb brain, I'm thinking like, you know, what Iceland did when they totally revamped their whole program. They, they literally had to build like indoor facilities, you know, since it is just so fucking cold uh, and, and shitty all year round. Yeah. Um, so like, just just tell me more about like, what, yeah, what is the, the main setup like? Well, yeah, like and every pun intended on that by the way. But um, yeah, like for me, like as just to get perspective sake, right? So like, there's two things to keep in mind, just for scale alone, there are more registered players of soccer, both youth and adult inside of Maryland as a state, than there are, um, there's, there's less population in the state of Maine altogether. So like, if that's not a, a useful understanding of, of scale or ratio to start with. Um, but outside of that as well, it's, it's fascinating to know because I, I have a, I have a national D license with USSF and I've got, you know, just futsal licenses, which actually we, I think you, you and I took together. Um, but like, I'm not a, in, in Maryland, in, in the DMV, I was not a particularly well um, established or licensed coach. I was decent and I had like good things going on, but here I was, you're like a fucking un- unicorn out there. Well, yeah, it's like I in an unsolicited way, I was I was asked to be a director of coaching and you know a program director and all these things, and I'm like, man, I am not only uninterested, but also it's just like not something that I would want to do given what it looks like here. And and what it looks like here is like the best players are the ones that only play it one season a year, and the best players are the ones that you know have no real understanding of like proper training sessions and and all these things like it would be a thrill for them to have a session with someone you know uh, certainly better than my quality if not if not mine so so you're saying there's an appetite out there i think there is but i think that's really more a commentary on the fact that there there's an appetite anywhere that you that you show that there's better food right i mean i like i don't know that it's i don't know that it's a commentary on like anything like that they're striving for and, and crying out for but but i think they would so welcome it and 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 a lot of it is sad because you look at uh, you know i went out and i had a a bit of a trial with that club that reached out to me and um they were nice enough but you know they were just so um they were so far behind where youth soccer has gotten to in the majority pockets inside of the country not and not to mention like you know the u.s as a whole right is still struggling to to get through the models that work there but um to consider and, and by the way, Adam, you don't have to be polite about it. I mean, you could just say they're ass backwards there. And, and obviously we talked, yeah. you know, offline uh, about this whole situation. And yeah, it's just really interesting the way that a lot of these places approach it. Like there is potential, like there is a gold mine. Um, and if you were to, you know, get to it, drill down a bit, uh, you probably could un- unearth some some potential. Uh, but but yeah, like when you have, uh, what did you say? It was pretty much just like the old guard who don't want to do anything, you know, differently. They want to do it their way. They're stuck in their ways, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you're just never going to, you'd be, you know, banging your head against the wall pretty much. Yeah, without a doubt. I, and at the end of the day, like, you know, the people that are here that dedicate their time to it, even if they wanted to be better at it, it, it is difficult to find well-paying 
you know, soccer jobs in the United States, even in good markets. And then not to mention how, how, how much of a struggle it would be um, to do it in a, in a place like this where it's, you know, a second or a third thought. Yeah, no, great shout. Well, I wish you better luck uh, on the St. Louis scene. I actually really don't know much about that. Uh, we were just, you know, talking about that a little bit offline. It seems like, you know, SLU is obviously there. there pe- people don't know this, actually. St. Louis has uh, 10 national championships. Now, granted, a lot of them are like <laughs> pre-World War II. Uh, you know, so how many asterisks do you put on that or whatever? But, you know, the, the, the men's soccer program is obviously great there. Uh, and, and I feel like it's, it's a type of area where you might have a little bit more success. But anyways. Um, I, know, I, I will and, say and, one yeah. thing, too, about St. Louis area, actually. And, and, and to, to be clear, I am no longer coaching, so this is not as relevant for me. But, um, you know, that said, Scott Gallagher, out there in St. Louis is like one of the most properly run clubs that I have encountered in the United States. And like, I don't know if this is still the case, but at at a time very recently, they produced more Academy players into the U S national team system and set up than any other Academy in the United States. So it's like, they have like, there's an incredible hotbed that exists in the Midwest and and hyper specifically in the St. Louis area. Well, great shout. There you have it. Uh, I think we've I've spent uh, way more time on the the youth soccer landscape in in the state of Maine than I ever thought I would. But uh, thank you for enlightening us on on that, Adam. Uh, I do want to move on, though. Um, You know, speaking of of your uh, background in soccer, you mentioned you have a D license. Obviously, you've been around it for for most of your. Oh, my God. Twenty seven years. Uh, incredible. Uh, but but yeah, can, yeah, can you can you just give us um, yeah, just a little bit more background, the, the genesis of your interest in soccer, where you grew up, how you came into the game, all that great stuff. Yeah. So I think I've got a bit of an unorthodox history with the game, considering where I ended up um, probably at like my top um, point of the game. So I, I started out. Uh, I'm, I'm from the Annapolis, Maryland area. I, I played very low level recreational soccer from when I was young. Um, I, I recognized at a pretty young age that I loved the tactics. I loved the strategy. I loved playing the game, but I knew that I was never going to be the quality of player that I wanted to be involved in the game. So from the age of about 17, I started um, by getting, going out and getting my first team. And it was just a rec team. I just went out and I just asked if I could coach a rec team and it was a local club and, they very graciously let me. Um, and then after that, I just started kind of like, you know, doing my reps and getting getting more in tune with licensing and, and everything that I could learn. You know, I was like a student of the game. I loved, you know, Milan and, you know, 05, you know, watching, watching them in Istanbul and like, you know, all these things that were like very culturally important to me. And like my family is, is Italian and Germans, like very much embedded in my world. But um, yeah, I started coaching a rec team, and then uh, the year after, I I, I started coaching a um, a travel team uh, at the same age group, and then a year after, so I guess I was still eighteen, or no, I was seventeen by this time. So I was seventeen actually. So I guess I started at sixteen. At seventeen, I actually was a, a senior in high school, and I have a late birthday, so I I actually applied to become the JV high school coach for a private school. Um, nearby. And I didn't mention that I was a high schooler. I just did it. And they never asked my age. So I never told them my age. So they hired me and um, I became the head JV coach and I was a senior in high school myself. So um, that was kind of like the weird way that I got involved in the beginning. And then I just sort of like every time that I, I did something like that, I sort of like 
catapulted it into my next opportunity. So for instance, then I started coaching a higher level, you know, like competitive team and then several higher level ones. And then I, I would go to a better high school and then another better high school. And then I would start coaching with a college team and, and all this stuff. And, you know, that ended up leading me to coach internationally with ODP and, and all that stuff. So I've kind of like been very fortunate and, and grateful to be in the positions I have been to, to coach at high levels at honestly a young age. And, and from a player's perspective, no right, like no right to be out there. You know, the kids that I was coaching in ODP were, were far better than I even am now. Um, but it was just my, my environment to, uh, to go out and be, be a coach or a manager rather than a player. Well, it's, yeah, that's a, a really cool dynamic because basically what you're saying is very early on, you, you kind of recognized uh, that uh, your, your future career was more in the coaching as opposed to the, the playing. And that takes a lot of a lot of self-awareness. I mean, what was it specifically that, uh, you know, led you to, to that conclusion? I mean, was it that you, you just you couldn't ping? Uh, was it the size? You know, what was it? Oh, I was fat. No, really. I mean, the big thing was like, um, you know, realistically. I was going for the height thing, but yeah, I mean. (laughs) No, I got you. No, no, but I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I'm not a huge specimen, you know, as far as height, but I, you know, I was never in great shape either. So it was like the perfect, uh, the perfect combo. No, but for me, I just, again, I knew like I could probably, if, if I had changed the way that I was doing things, I probably could have played at a higher level than I initially anticipated. But I also knew that like, that higher level that I could probably get to was just never going to be what I really wanted to be involved at. You know, I wanted to be involved in the game in the way that I, I have been, you know, at, at really good clubs, very high levels, you know, really pushing for like big things. And um, again, I got to do it while still being, you know, early mid twenties, whereas I would probably otherwise, if I really pushed to be a player um, to do it, I would have just been a really struggling player, very frustrated in my early twenties instead. So it was just a, a decision that had to be made. No, and good on you. Uh, and yeah, your career trajectory uh, never ceases to amaze me. Um, and yeah, if I'm being you know honest with you, just you know, congratulate. Is really gutting to hear that you know you won't be uh, sharing that experience uh, you know with uh, and, and that knowledge and expertise with, with players anymore. But yeah, I mean, at a certain point, everyone I guess gets burnout or you know moves on to something uh, bigger and better. Uh, I don't know what, what's your situation with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's always was it the main right? thing? Did did Maine just break your soul pretty much? <laughs> no, no. So I I decided to you know hang up my whistle as it were when I left Maryland. So I, about two years ago, um, my then girlfriend, now wife, and I, um, you know, we moved out west. We moved to California, and because she she got a job out there, and um, I just needed a break. Like there was an opportunity to sort of like reset and be you know more into the business world that I was already sort of ingrained in. Um, so I took a break. I, you know, I ended my six year relationship with a, a club that, you know, was a very turbulent but loving relationship. And, um, you know, I, um, I went out there and I just started doing more traditional, I guess, you know, orthodox, you know, experiences with uh, with work and and life. So um, it just gave me a it gave me a new lease, because to be honest with you, you know, you're no stranger to the fact that the hours are like just a hot piece of garbage, you know, there's nothing that you yeah, can do, it can be brutal. you know, and, and the work life balance uh, gets yeah. out of whack. Yeah. So it's, it's challenging. And especially if you're doing it in tandem with someone who, you know, if you're partnered with someone who, who does have like a more, I guess, traditional schedule, it's just like, it's horrible. It, it's just really bad. So that kind of got me to take a break. And then, you know, as the work that I do now, I'm, you know, I'm the chief operating officer for 
a company um, that's that's all remote and we do a lot of really interesting work. So um, that's like the majority of my time and, and, and efforts now. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Adam is 27 years old and in a C-suite <laughs> already. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, this guy uh, truly never ceases to amaze me. Now, now Adam, though, I, I want to go back to something that you just said about uh, club supportership, if you will. Um, obviously, you know, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with with the sides that you support, uh, you know, your, your dad's side coming from Dortmund. So a little bit of uh, a Dortmund support there, right? Uh, the most recent club in, in the DMV that you were at ended up making a partnership with West Ham. Uh, I, again, my apologies for that. I'm so sorry you've had to put up with that, but maybe you get a little taste of, of what I've had to put up with uh, with Arsenal over the years uh, more recently. Um, but you did mention uh, AC Milan. Uh, are we talking like Clarence Seydorf era AC Milan? Oh, yeah. T- tell, tell me more about uh, supporting this, this Milan club. That came out of nowhere. Yeah, 100%. Well, no, yeah. I mean, my main club, at least these days, because I've kind of come off Serie A, but um... – my main club these days is West Ham and that's, you know, who I've really supported, like, you know, for the majority of my life. But um, yeah, always passing interest and love of, of Milan and, and yeah. Yeah. Sador. I mean, we're talking about that team that just like came out and you're looking at like the likes of Cafu and Dida and Kaká and Gattuso, like these insane, like people in Zagi was like my idol for a very long time. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Um, and just like these people that you like, you look at and just like, there are these teams that were built and you can always look at, you know, teams, you know, retroactively and, and so like fondly maybe to uh, an extreme because they are the past and the past is like inherently more romantic or whatever. But I mean, Jesus Christ, if I didn't like look at that team and like to this day, think like I'd pick that team nine times out of 10, like against other teams. So yeah, hundred percent. Dude, what a fucking side. I mean, yeah, you, you named most of the names there. Uh, we won't go down too much in memory lane there. But but yeah, it's and, and I'm always interested, too, because it, it, it's it's uh, it's always interesting to see how people do end up getting, um, you know, into the particular clubs that they support. Like, for example, you know, me, I, I'm an Arsenal supporter just because everyone that I knew was a Manchester United supporter. And I guess I, I came out of the womb contrarian, you know, so I had to go with you know, the other team, um, you know, why not Liverpool or, you know, something else, I guess. I, I don't know, but I guess Arsenal were good because there is some bandwagoning there. But anyways, it, it's always interesting for me to, to see the, the genesis of these things. Um, and, and yeah, can, can you actually, speaking of the genesis, so one of your early clubs also was, was Dortmund. Tell me a bit about that on, on your dad's side. Yeah, that one was like pretty straightforward, right? It's like, you know, families from here, you know, we got like the attachment of, of geography and of, of family history and all that. So it was like always very cool. I also like there is a trend, at least with those two clubs, with West Ham, with Dortmund for me, that like, you know, we're never like, I'm always going to have the pain. Like that's what it's like, very sadistic. You know, <laughs> I just, you know, especially with West Ham, it's like, you know, never going to be a powerhouse. You know, we quote unquote won the World Cup you know, for England all ourselves in 66. But at the same time, you know, outside of that, you don't, you have history, but you don't have like, you know, the feeling of confidence that we will do well. But with Dortmund, you know, it's similar, right? We'll always be at least second to Bayern, you know, I mean, at least theoretically. Um, but yeah, so with, with Dortmund. So you, so you appreciate, so the, the part that you like, correct me if I'm wrong here, about being a Dortmund fan is that you are always the beta and you're always going to get cucked by Bayern pretty much. Like you I just, mean, you know, you know your role. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think that it's like, you know, outrageous to, to be, you know, 
I don't, I don't participate in or appreciate sport because I want to be the only important thing out there. I want to be like a different piece of the puzzle and likely one that's like less admired, to be honest with you, because I find that a more gratifying experience once you are within the realm of fandom that exists with those clubs. Like, yeah, you talk about everyone you love, you know, knew loved Manchester United. Like, I don't fucking want to be a United supporter because I don't want to be some number inside of their, you know, billions of people that care about them, quote unquote. Th- I want to be to try and sell a jersey too. Yeah, yeah. I want to be I want to be someone who like can tell you and have like a rational conversation about like, you know, the the landscape of, of you know, DFB or or whatever's going on inside of, of the French League. But it's because like I don't have a singular view um, of of what you know, it means to be a part of the game. And I just like, I'm okay with, with those things because I think that they're more interesting, like inherently more interesting. Yeah, no, great shout. And actually, you know what that just made me think of um, is uh, if you know your history about uh, Arsenal, I know I, you know, keep rapping on about them, um, but, but there's a growing trend um, and uh, just an utter disdain for the commercialization for just how big these clubs have gotten. I mean, for fuck's sake, you've got actual nation states purchasing clubs, et cetera. And so many supporters have become disenchanted with this that they formed. I I think a lot of people have heard of Phoenix clubs. Like, so like when a club folds and then another one comes up in its place or whatever, Mm -hmm. but, but not Phoenix clubs, but more like grassroots clubs that they start from the beginning. And, and Arsenal's uh, actually original name was, was dial square United founded 1886, you know, all the great history of like that a lot of these English clubs share. But anyways, like a lot of these supporters got together and they were like, fuck the commercialization, right? Our game day experience sucks. Like you just said, we basically just feel like one statistic, one number out of a bajillion. um, And we want like a different experience. So I I actually just became a member of uh, Dial Square Football Club, which is one of these, uh, call them supporters clubs, um, that, you know, they're in like the 11th tier of, of the English football pyramid. But like you go there, right? You, 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 you get a pint with, with, you know, your local community. You bring the family out. It's a great environment. You have a few laughs, banter a bit, and just watch like a, you know, a decent little, you know, Sunday league football match type of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, with the similar, the similar vein, I, I, I also love a club that I figured wouldn't be uh, important enough for this conversation, but is called AFC Wimbledon, which is, mm. if you know your history, used to be a very big club. Um, and they used to be in the Premier League and they did very well. And then they got bought out, um, you know, by, um, and this was like a very non-Premier League or, or FA, you know, um, thing to happen, but they got bought out by um, a club and moved locations to, um, to, um mk so just milton Keynes. so hey, milton now they're Keynes. called MK Dons. Yeah, that's mk Dons. that used to be wimbledon um and they got bought out and they got moved but the supporters didn't take that so they ended up saying fuck that we're gonna make this phoenix club just like you suggest and they're a fan-owned club and they're in the fourth tier and i am you know you're talking to one of the part owners of that club as i'm a fan owner of that club Oh, are so you really? Like, That's cool. Oh, man. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they're like one of the most interesting, intriguing things that I, I, I really appreciate them. They're like very cool. You know, they really do ask every single support owner, um, you know, what they think about each decision, and and thus we feel like every decision is ours to make. Love it. Have you ever been to like a shareholders meeting, like voted on stuff? No, not yet. I mean, but so recently there's been a lot of progression on that stuff, and they've got a brand new stadium and all that. So it's uh, it's definitely coming around the bend. 
Okay, very cool. Uh, well, yeah, we'd, we'd love to, to hear more about that offline. So we'll stay in touch on that. But but um, yeah, I, I do want to go back real quick uh, to uh, to the West Ham thing. I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, Adam, just kind of can you walk me through, especially um, last season? I mean, here you were. Uh, I, I think David Moyes uh, deserves a lot more credit as a manager um, than he does. He was fantastic at Everton. I thought the United thing was like totally botched. I mean, by the way, who's going to follow in Sir Alex's footsteps and do yeah. a good job? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he's a fantastic manager. You had tons of uh, uh, great transfers coming in uh, and were poised last year uh, uh, to, to, to actually win one of those Champions League spots and then West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say is that one of us on this conversation support a club that's in the Europa League and one of us doesn't. But that all aside, I, you know, there you have it. There you have it. we'll talk about. But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it was a thrilling run. And for me, um, you know, again, there's there's so much love and admiration that I have for the club. And it's it's kind of cool and serendipitous to talk about it now because. Um, one of the reasons is actually because of a player. So Mark Noble has been one of my favorite players in history. Oh my um, God, he's and, got what, like 800 appearances for them? Yeah, well, yeah, now he is the longest serving active member of a club um, as, as of Leo Messi's departure, right? So um, like there's, there's this compassion that he has for the club. He was born in Canning Town, just down the street from the original stadium at the Bolin. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, legend, but not actually legend because it's, you know, documented that he finished his very first senior game and ran out of the stadium back to his house. So it's like, there's this, there's this really incredible nature to, to that club that I think is just like so intoxicating and is so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're never going to be that club. And that's the same narrative that I have with, with Dortmund as well as like in a different way, because Dortmund still is going to show up and probably end up in champions league space every year. But in a different way, it's like, we might get relegated this season, you know, yeah. who knows? That's the <laughs> thrill. But like, you know, um, it doesn't really matter to me at the end of the day, because like, am I someone who is going to benefit or, or lose in a, in a financial way or whatever? Is it just bragging rights? Like if we go down to the championship after the season, like, that's cool too. Like I'll get to see us play against a different set of clubs with a different set of players with a different set of stakes. Well, there you have it. Uh, Adam, just want to say again, you know, thanks so much for joining me. You've been, you know, super generous, generous with your time. Uh, and and uh, I am going to close it out pretty soon. Good, good luck to you, by the way, uh, this year with the move. Uh, also with, uh, you know, all the teams that you support. I mean, you, it's like a nice little shotgun approach. I mean, at, at least one of them has got to work out uh, this right. year. So whether it's West Ham, Milan, Dortmund, AFC Wimbledon, I don't know, maybe there's a few more in there. Um, but I just wanted to, to close out, uh, and, and, and I don't want to bore the listeners to death uh, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, get get the show canceled on the, on the third episode here. Uh, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, that both of us, of course, are big philosophy nerds. And we've enjoyed uh, many a, a scotch into the hazy hours of the night uh, discussing such. Uh, but don't worry, guys, we're not going to go into all that stuff. Uh, but I do want to get your hot take on, on one last thing, because uh, to the listeners, to the supporters, even if you aren't uh, a philosophy nerd uh, like the both of us, uh, you might at least be a comedy or a Monty Python nerd. Uh, and the probably one of the, my most favorite, most famous sketches of all time that they did uh, was, of course, the Germany versus uh, Greece philosophers. Uh, so if you haven't watched that, uh, go check it out right now. Uh, again, even if you're not into uh, philosophy or even into soccer, really, uh, you know, you, you would appreciate it. 
appreciate it. Uh, obviously, Monty Python speaks for itself. Um, but, but Adam, in, in that particular sketch, who's your MVP? Oh, I mean, for no other reason than the fact that I want to say from memory, he is the only one on the field that's not an actual philosopher. They still put Franz Beckenbauer on the field. Oh, so <laughs> like, good. And when, and when they're reading Franz out, do you remember when they're reading out the team sheets and they're going through all the Germans and it's Jaspers, it's Engels, it's Nietzsche, right? And then they're like, and with a surprise inclusion, Franz Beckenbauer. <laughs> Yeah, it's like so good. Like they could have named, they could have named like, obviously like, you know, the history of Germany, but just like, especially for the time, it's like, oh my God, couldn't have been any better. So I got to give it to him. The only one on the field without a, uh, you know, true moral compass. No, love it, man. Uh, and and um, I probably appreciate the Greeks uh, a bit more, you know, obviously Socrates scores the game winning goal and everything. It was a fantastic um, uh, sequence of play there to you know to win the game at the death one nil. Oh, am I spoiling it? Well, again, probably no one's going to watch it anyway. Uh, but but yeah, but <laughs> uh, my favorite actually is Karl Marx because even though he's my least favorite out of all the actual philosophers, um, I love when everyone's arguing the goal uh, at the end uh, and, and the commentator says and Marx is arguing that it's offside. <laughs> So I'm going to give my MVP to Marx just because he's the one who made me uh, laugh the most in it. But anyway, it's very uh, on brand for you. So I get it. Yeah, pro probably enough uh, uh, philosophy talk there. But but again, Adam, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat more offline about the move and, and the year moving forward. And, and to be honest, dude, I, I would love to have you on again if you're if you're game for it. I'm down, man. Thanks again. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Catch you, Mike. Will you stop talking about tennis players and stupid Hollywood actors, Phil? And we're back. Uh, thanks again, supporters, for uh, suffering through that torture uh, with my friend, my colleague, Adam Bender. Uh, we're moving on, though, to segments here. Um, and this is really where the meat and potatoes of the whole uh, episode is. Uh, we're now, like we said, in that like really cool wheelhouse uh, where the domestic leagues have started, but the transfer window is still open uh, for a few more weeks. Uh, and, and we're going to kick it off straight away with rumor or here we go. Uh, just as a very quick refresher, obviously rumor, uh, rumors are transfer rumors uh, that have not happened yet, whether they, you know, are on the brink of happening. It's on, uh, you know, the medicals coming up or if it's literally just like the mirror or sun uh, talking shit about it. Um, we're going to file that under rumors. And remember, it is ORS, not O-U-R-S, because we don't trust those Brits farther than we can throw them. Uh, and then, of course, here we goes, which are actual transfers that have occurred. Um, but let's start with the the, the rumors because there's a lot of good juicy stuff here jared uh the first one i wanted to start off with um mostly because like fuck chelsea and all the money that they have uh but you're telling me after adding uh lukaku uh you're telling me that they might buy jude bellingham from dortmund uh yeah i mean i understand that this is kind of making its way i just i don't know that i really see this happening i mean obviously if it's going to they would have to be selling a couple players they already have an absolute glut of um, of players, you know, in, in the midfield and up in the attack. So, uh, you know, I guess it's possible, but he would be pretty expensive. He has a contract until 2025. Dortmund's not really going to want to let him go for cheap, especially after losing Sancho. So I don't really see – I mean, I don't understand how they can even afford it, but, um, you know, I, I, they would have to move a couple players for this to happen. I just – I'd be very hard-pressed to see this happen. That would be pretty surprising to me if this got to here we go. 
Yeah, I would love to see if financial fair play is a thing in this situation and other situations. Again, like you said, I mean, poor Darby County, uh, they're the ones who get screwed over, whereas, you know, everyone else can pretty much just spend whatever oil nation state money they want. But anyways, um, yeah, we'll see if that one happens out, uh, uh, fleshes out rather. Uh, again, oh boy, uh, it's happening. Um, but yeah, no, let's, let's go some Amerocentric stuff here, Jared. And I'm sure you can pop off on this, especially, especially because this one particular one uh, is going to go to your club. It looks like Matthew Hoppy is linked to Newcastle. That's pretty cool. Although to be honest, like Newcastle is kind of where careers go to die, which sucks. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I love it when uh, an American player plays for Newcastle. You're looking at somebody who bought like the DeAndre Yedlin jersey when Newcastle was in the championship for crying out loud. Like I want Americans to play for my club, uh, but I would I would beg Matthew Hoppy to just to not. Um, he's been linked with a lot of teams in that kind of mm. in that area. Um, you know, Wolves, Brentford, a couple other ones as well. Obviously, the Premier League looks to be a target for him. I would encourage him to go. You know, literally anywhere else in the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Wolves would be really cool. That, that's a better team. Brentford, obviously, uh, more likely to yo-yo. But I think they at least play more exciting soccer. Uh, certainly they played, you know, they did more than Newcastle did in the first week of the season. So, uh, you know, what, if it was if he came to Newcastle, would it be cool? Yeah, sure. But, I God, I hope he doesn't. Yeah, again, I, I think that's where careers go to die. And I just – I have a lot of hope. I see a lot of potential in that kid. Uh, and and I, I would hate for him to, to, to go there, uh, to be honest. I mean, no offense, Jared, right? No, I don't – look, I don't want him to go either, so. Although, although I would say I, I think he would, he would inject a lot of energy into that side. Him and Al Marone just, like, running around the pitch with Maximin, I mean, that could be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, and they're just shooting so many balls into the 35th row. It would just be majestic. Yeah, yeah. You know, an XG of 0.02 times 35. I mean, you should score a goal a game, but we'll see. Um, that one is definitely still a rumor for right now. And one more American, uh, Matt Miazga, uh, loaned out yet again, it looks like. Uh, I believe this time it is rumored to be to Alaves. Yeah, and this one is uh, less a rumor and more just waiting for the, the ink to dry and the, and the final. Here we go. Uh, you know, for whatever we think about the Chelsea loan army, and of course, I don't prefer it. And I would like if Miazga, you know, really was able to just to get to a club and stay there and really cement himself. But you got to give him a little bit of credit. He's been in Belgium. He's been in the Netherlands. I think he's been in the championship once or twice. Look, this is all we got. It's a step up. So if nothing else, at least it's a it's a it's a place where he he would go and we would finally find out for sure like how good he is. He's been good in those other leagues. He's been solid. He's been productive. But you know he goes to Alves and he has to play against Barcelona and Madrid and Atletico and Sevilla and you know uh, Betis and Bilbao, uh, Bilbao I should say. Uh, I mean it would be it would be a challenge for him. I think it'd be really good. And if you're Miazga and you want to hope to try and sneak back in that U.S. picture and, and possibly make a World Cup roster. You know, having a good year in La Liga would certainly put him put him right there. So I think it's probably good for him. Uh, hopefully he would get minutes if he went there. I assume if Alaves is taking him on loan, they intend to play him. Uh, so I, I'd like him to find a club permanently. And, and maybe if he gets a, has a successful year this year, that will happen. But I think it's a good move for him if he can get on the field. Yes, absolutely. And the time is now for Miazga. Uh, you know, so A, he can prove Alexi Lawless wrong that he's not the fourth uh, best choice, you know, to pair up with John Brooks. Uh, but but yeah, also, I mean, yeah, if not Alaves, then then go to the Rocky Balboa Club. And I, I think they would be a good pair. He'd probably train the shit out of them. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I'm with you. I hope these Americans can really fulfill their potential. We'll, we'll, we will see. Um, and then the last one I, I, on the rumors here, I know it's very Arsenal-centric from my side, but this is a total what the fuck. 
uh, from me. I have heard a rumor. There is a link. Uh, and by the way, it is true here now uh, that Aubameyang, Lacazette, and, and plus a couple others, you know, were just like partying with each other, tested positive. That's why they weren't available last week. Uh, so they were, you know, doing whatever, sharing cups and beer pong. Um, but but yeah, it, it sounds like there's some like crazy thing. And this might be hope more than anything from like the more Arsenal centric, you know, outlets or blogs or whatever. Uh, but it seems like uh, there could be some potential like mega deal swap here. Uh, we're talking Aubameyang and Lacazette uh, included with Coutinho uh, and Dest. Uh, I don't know, Jared, have you heard anything along these lines or it might just be like my arsblog.org, you know, friends sending me bullshit links. I mean, I've seen, uh, I've seen some stuff about the Aubameyang and Coutinho uh, kind of one for one situation. Um, Barcelona has strongly denied it. Uh, so you can take that for what it's worth. That said, if but that said, any deal where Barcelona can somehow, if they can shed any sense of wages on the as a net, I would think they would probably do it just because. Um, I don't. I don't know about this one. Uh, I don't think Dest would be included because he would never sign a contract. I don't believe with Arsenal. Uh, even this summer, after his first year at Barcelona, when he picked, remember he picked Barcelona over Bayern. Uh, they kind of shopped his name around even to go back to, to Bayern again, or, or maybe I think Arsenal might have been mentioned that as well. And he mm. said he had no interest and he wants to play for Barcelona. So I don't think he would agree to personal terms with any club. So I would, I would have to imagine he would not be involved. Um, I don't really know much about Lacazette's situation. I would think that if Aubameyang was being shopped, that he might be happy to stay and, and, and kind of grab that starting position. But, you know, we, we talked about Arteta, obviously, previously, Obviously, Arsenal didn't play very well last week, and, and we don't know what's going on there. But is this really a case where there's a lot of players on the team that are just begging to leave, and this is how they're trying to make it work? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Again, and, and, I, and by I the way, I, I, I yeah, right, and I, and I wouldn't. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it too. A uh, great article in the athletic today, actually about like just truly how hard it is to make a transfer happen, especially a transfer swap like that. And, and if you're talking about those types of players between those two clubs, I highly uh, doubt it. I, yeah. I, it just fucking blows my mind, Jared. And, and for you probably know a lot better about this uh, and you could probably explain this away. I, I don't know how it works, but, but we're talking about a bombing. This guy's on 300,000 a week. Right. Yeah. And, and we just went through this saga of, you know, offloading Messi, PK taking a pittance. He's basically playing for free. Everyone else cutting at least in half or whatever. And now they're saying, like, I get it. It's, it's you know, a, a swap is free. There's no transfer fee involved. So, like, it saves those wages. Fits financial fair play on that, I, I guess. I, again, I don't know. But you're telling me you're going to bring a guy on who's under contract for 300000 a week. I just don't fucking get it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, to be fair, I think Coutinho's probably making about the same or even more. So I guess in that sense, it wouldn't necessarily be adding on to the wage bill. But, mm. um, but and I think that the big key would be also is if they can figure out what they're going to do with Aguero, right? Because Aguero is still sitting there injured mm. and they can't, they haven't even been able to register him yet because they can't afford it. So the question would be, can they move on or, or figure out some way to get out of the Aguero deal to maybe make it happen? Again, I don't know. Uh, it's just really hard for me to believe that Barcelona is going to try and do too much right now. And when, again, unless they are cutting wages significantly. And as you said, Obama is making an amount of money that just makes it impossible for them to cut wages significantly. So, again, I just don't see how, why Barcelona uh, would want to do this, and especially because they have a far superior striker in Martin Brathwaite out the, on their team. So mm. there would really be no re reason to downgrade to Obama yet.
Oh, the the true number nine. Oh, wait. I mean, the true number 14 now, I believe. Uh, You know what? He's still number nine in my heart. So that's all that matters. Love it. All right. Well, how about one uh, very quick? Here we go. Uh, And Jared, you can add on to this Uh, from my end again. Sorry to shove Arsenal down your throat. But but Martin Odegaard, who uh, has has been uh, touted since he was what, like 14 as the next big thing, uh, never really panned out or whatever, obviously in and out of Real Madrid on loan with Arsenal uh, last year. And we finally inked him to what I think like 35, uh, 40, something like that. Um, Although I will say uh, that's exactly what we need. Right. Uh, Just yet another attacking mid. Um, you know, between him uh, and Lakanga and 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 Party, you know, all in the office there. I guess we're just going to score goals with like penetrating through balls or something like that. I I, I don't know. Right. Are Odegaard's through balls like devastatingly penetrative, or is it just, are they just like <laughs> marginally penetrative? Because I think that matters. And, and I um, no, you know what? Like I understand it's not a position of need, but he did play pretty well for them last year. Uh, he didn't seem like he really wanted to be there which, by the way, given what we just talked about, is something that Arsenal could really use right now, like a guy that actually wants to be on the team. Uh, and, like, it's ready to, yep. like, so, you know, I, I understand from your perspective about, like, is it the b- biggest position? No. But he wasn't really going to get a lot of run, apparently, at, at Madrid. Uh, they didn't even give was, him a number, Jared. He yeah, hadn't even so, in, been assigned a fucking number. And while he's not, certainly he's not cheap, I don't think they necessarily overpaid a ton for him. So, I mean, I guess he, I, I consider it probably a win uh, when you balance it out. And, and I think, as I said, if you play like he did last year, I think it'll be worth it. And, and, and so you've got to take it. Cool. Any other here we goes to add to that, Jared? Is Aaron Ramsdale, has that happened yet? I know I kind of teased you about that the other day, but I, is that still in the cards or like what's it, going on it, it is. It is 2.39 p.m. Central Time uh, on August, uh, what is it, 19th or whatever. And, uh, yes, it is confirmed 100%. So he's, oh. he's, he's in. Which, by the way, is fucking hilarious in and of itself because we had Bernd Leno and we had Emiliano Martinez. Martinez was clearly better than Leno, right? But yet... Arteta had him as the number two. And then when he had to make the choice between the two, he sold Martinez, who, by the way, fucking killed it for Aston Villa in the next year, is now Argentina's number one, wins a Copa America with Messi and Argentina, et cetera, right? And furthermore, Leno wants out. Now, so what do we do? Now we have to go pay $40 million for a goalkeeper from, from Sheffield. Uh, fans out there, listeners, to everyone listening, see how easy that was? I just said, like, one thing. I just Oh, you got just- me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you, you got me, Jared. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I'm going to move past it straight away. Uh, yes, it is very easy to egg me on. Um, but, yeah, our, our next segment here, we got a couple of quick ones. Um, Jared, you may or may not be aware. I think I mentioned to you, I know you, like me, can't stand the sound of your own voice, so you didn't uh, listen to the, the last episode. Uh, but we did a, a proper league uh, check-in um, with our friend, Manuel Rodauer, who, by the way, we, we totally glossed over the fact that Manny is an actual doctor of philosophy. Like, he's a professor, right, at a at a, a, a tier one university uh, and uh, here we are just like bullshitting, uh, going in cold to the league uh, table and, and talking about it. So again, we're talking about PhD, Manuel Rodero, philosophy professor. Um, but, but one of the things that actually came up real quick in our five minute segment um, was I, I, I said, I, I quizzed him on the players, right? He could name like one other player on PSG other than 
uh, Messi, uh, Mbappe, and Neymar, right? Dana uh, Mama Numina, which again, you know, he, he completely botched. But then I quizzed him to see if he could name literally one other player uh, in League 1 other than on PSG. Um, so we challenge you here, Jared, uh, and we're going to do this uh, lightning quick here. Is, oh God. If, if, we, if we could go down the French League on table and if you can name one player on each team, you, you basically win at life. I can tell you right on the bat, I cannot do that, but we can, this is for this season? Uh, yeah, for this season. And fine, oh, if, you want to, if you want to admit defeat straight away, that's fine. Can you name uh, one other player in league uh, other than on PSG? I mean, I mean yes, I, I can certainly do that. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I can probably right, have a, have a, do like a couple the top of, half, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, let, well, the top half is fucking Angers and Claremont. Okay, Fort, I, meant, so. <laughs> I, more, I more mean from like last year's top half, not necessarily right. the, the two and A's this year. So let's go with Lille. You could probably name the one guy on Lille. Well, I can name several guys on wheel. Obviously, they were the defending league champions, and they have a heavy CONCACAF presence up top with Timothy Wea and Jonathan David. Uh, I believe Burak Yilmaz is still hanging around there as well. Yilmaz, yes. Yeah. Okay, so great. Yeah. Guys and- so you got one there. Uh, I'm going to pick a couple real quick just at random. Uh, what seem, I, I guess these are the big clubs because they're just like bigger cities, I guess. Uh, how about Marseille? Can you name someone on Marseille? Is, uh, is Steve Mondanda still manning the pipes for Marseille, and is Payet still there? That sounds about right. I'm not even going to look it up. Um, how about Nice? They were in fourth um, right now, by the way. Yeah, they have like a random, like, I think they have a midfielder who has like a hyphenated name, like Wies Malou or something. By the way, if anything I pull is like completely from FIFA. So um, <laughs> I actually know, you know what, Wies Malou, I think, just actually moved to the Premier League this year. So I don't think it's actually him anymore. So I might have, I might have some trouble with, uh, with Nice. Okay. Uh, never mind. Um, uh, how about this? Monaco. You got to know someone on Monaco. Oh man, um, who is on Monaco these days? Isn't Fabregas still on Monaco? I believe so. Actually, yes, that does sound about. And that's what I said to Manny. I was like, if you name someone, like, I, like I would obviously recognize the name, but like off the top of my head, there's no chance. And I think, right, I, so- I, think I think Kevin Ballin's still in Monaco as well. The the German Euro legend. Great shout. Uh, and then last one here, Chad, because this is hilarious, but also stupid. Uh, Leon. God, who the who the is on Leon anymore? Um, oh, that's a good question. They have a guy. I think they have like the defender who actually is named Marcelo. And, and the reason I actually know this is because I was listening to uh, Jules Laurent, uh, Laurent, a bunch of ESPN podcasts talking about how he oh, might have had like, he worked... a crazy own goal or something. Yeah, like he like he might have had like yeah. he got like a he got like a one out of ten in what keeps like rankings. And of course, that's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. For us. So I have like no idea who that guy actually is, except I heard him on a few podcasts just talk about how this guy had like the shocker of all shockers for Leon on the weekend. But uh, I think I might be cheating that I happened to come across that earlier today amazing all right well yeah jared you obviously did way better than me and manny so good on you i'll I'll, uh follow up and corroborate some of those uh answers but but yeah you clearly know way more than us um let's move on to the second to last segment here uh a classic uh own goal of the day uh mine is either uh the segment that we just did right there uh or um probably the own goal on my liver this weekend um so yeah I, i will once again defer the own goal of the day to you jared um, I think anybody who follows the sport closely uh, has probably seen this. I think they came out yesterday. Uh, the line of third jerseys by Puma uh, for several of the club uh, the clubs in uh, that they sponsor Oof, are absolutely yeah. horrific. Uh, Puma's had a, had a history of kind of doing a uh, 
kind of a, you know, kind of an outline for all their clubs. I think if you look at something like the World Cups and you see the national teams, like I know there are a couple of World Cups where like Switzerland and Ivory Coast and Italy, I think all kind of had the exact same jersey, just in different colors. I remember they had kind of like the, the lowercase mm. jer- uh, names on the back. And some of those things have been really cool, if not necessarily unique. But this one, uh, I'm sorry, like it's not it. Uh, I think Dortmund actually refused to even be part of it because their club crest wouldn't be on the shirt. Uh, that's how bad these are is they don't even have club crests on them. Good grief. But, I mean, it's just – I don't know what they were going for. I don't know what the idea was. If you haven't seen them, definitely just Google it. You'll see a million pictures. It's, I mean, they're horrific. And I This is the one you sent out to the group, right, where it's just yeah, like yeah, ran- no, random just, neon colors and stuff? And it's just like the name is like on the shirt with like a two bars. And then like, I, it just, I don't understand what the thought was. I don't understand like why the club thought it was a good idea. I don't understand how many levels of marketing it got there where someone says, this is like fashionably stylish and people are going to love it. But they just got, I mean, they got dunked on by Twitter yesterday. And I mean, they just, I would be remiss if I didn't give them the own goal because that's by far the worst thing I've seen this week. Love it, Jared. And power to the people, by the way. If, if you look up your team's home, away, third kit, or, or whatever Jared is talking about here, uh, you know, at your club, at the marketing, uh, and see if you can change things. Because, yeah, I, I saw the picture yesterday. It's, it, it is not great at all. Um, and then the last segment we want to do here today, uh, and this is actually a new segment uh, alert, new segment alert. Um, very simply, will Pedri ever get a day off? Uh, and I think this is going to be something that we can actually explore for the rest of the year, Jared, because it appears that Pedri will not get a day off. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it today and we'll talk about it again very quickly. The numbers and I'll give a hat tip to the athletic because they, they actually uh, outlined it uh, so very straightforward. Pedri has played 77 games since last September. 56 were for Barcelona. 38 were in La Liga, six in the Copa del Rey, two in the Spanish Supercopa, seven in the Champions League, and three friendlies at the start of the 2020-2021 campaign. And then, of course, throw in under 21 euros, regular euros, and then, of course, the Olympics. This guy has had like eight days off in the last year plus. It's truly astonishing. Yeah, and, I, and before I, we talk about Pedri for a second, I do want to give, like, a tip of the hat for, like, Diet Pedri, which, who is Pau Torres, uh, obviously <laughs> center back a little bit less running, but he also, you know, again, plays every week for his club team, uh, Villarreal, also, you know, got a significant run in the Euros, didn't play every game, but was on the field a lot, and also then went to the Olympics as well. Uh, and, and so he's, you know, right back to Villarreal as well, but he has not even come close to the mileage of the matches that Pedri has. And, and what's astounding to me is that, you know, I'm watching or I'm following the Barcelona game the other day and I'm like, OK, they're up three nothing and they're starting to sub some guys out. And it's like, oh, well, obviously they're going to sub Pedri out here. Right. Exactly. Right? He's, yep. he's dead. It's three nothing. The game's like over, even though, of course, as it turns out, the game wasn't over because. Yeah, they, they got to yeah, yeah. Right. But but at the same time, it's like, OK, like it's the perfect time, even if it's 25 minutes. Um if this I, isn't I, the right time to sub him, then what right. the fuck is the right time? All I all I can say is what we really have to do, and I know you want to keep addressing this, but we have to wait a couple of weeks because when they, they break for the international break, when the Europe when the European qualifiers have, I believe, three match days uh, in the September qualifiers, like if Spain calls him in and plays him like three more matches during the international break, 
I, I won't be able to like, I won't believe it because at some point they're ha- like, maybe there's a deal. Hopefully they struck a deal with maybe like yeah. with the club where they're like, Hey, look, if you just get him, give us to, to the Olympics and like, he won't play the qualifiers in September or maybe like, or whatever, like we can qualify without him or whatever. like, please, for the love of God, let this guy have a, like a two week break. Like I know he's I not, and, and, I know and, he's and a by kid, the way, Jared, like, yeah, he's a kid, right. Exactly. He's a kid. And I think his quote was like, you know, I just, I love playing football. And so like, if they put me in the starting 11, I play in the starting 11 and I play the whole game. If they want me to play the whole game, which is like cool and everything. And we all love that. It's very much that like little league world series, you know, mentality, like, Oh man, these kids are awesome. What a great, like, you know, fun, naive point of view or whatever. But like, also he has, 20 years of a career ahead of him, right? There are so many other things to consider than just this near term future, just this next year. And right. Yeah. I mean, I know load management is like a big thing and we scoff at it and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, you really have to give the kid a fucking day off. No. And it's not, and it, it, like, there's a difference between load management and like, just saying like, Hey, look, like we'll, we'll put him on the bench as we play somebody. I mean, Grant, and, and of course the worst part is, you know, I was thinking about this and I was looking into Barcelona anyway, because they're the most interesting team in Europe for better or for worse right now. And like, they're going to uh, Bilbao this weekend. So it, like mm. it, he's going to play, right? I don't think they're going to all of a sudden sit him now when they're facing a top six, top seven team on the road. One of the toughest games, you know, road games you play all season, you know, right. they're not getting, they're not getting, you know, uh, Espanol at home or, you know, like one of the relegation, the, the new teams that have come in off a of rel, you know, for promotion, I should say. It, like, so it's not going to be an easy one. And it just, it never stops. And I just don't understand what has to happen for somebody to look and, and say, you know, it, you can only do this so many times, by the way, but even if he can do it without being like physically shattered, I mean, at some point, the body does get affected and he is going to pull something. Like, it, it's not if, it's when, right? You can't yeah. do that without getting hurt. So, I hope for his sake he doesn't go on international break and Spain can beat whatever like Muppets are in their group and he can at least just sit around for a couple of weeks and just try like sit in a uh, like a, a sauna or a hot tub or I don't even care if he goes to Ibiza for three days and like just gets drunk off his ass <laughs> like just something where he doesn't have to be in training or like running around a like 95 degree country in the summer and yes and- I agree and and Jared the segment is uh, mostly um you know seriously in 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 the interest of the player it's it it is a laugh i mean because it is just so absurd that this kid just keeps playing or whatever but but honestly i mean you got to look out for the health of these these young men um well anyways uh that does it for segments uh and and jared i wanted to wrap up here uh thanks so much for your time really appreciate it man uh and and as i'd like to do uh you know moving forward um and i'd like to do today uh, i want to end on a positive note um one in one out uh today uh, very much like uh, you know, if you remember, harken back to your, your college days, uh, going to the bar on a, on a Saturday night, one in and one out. Uh, but yeah, we have one player back in um, and one player who is out of the game. Um, let, let's let's give proper respects to both of these players. Uh, the player back in Raul Jimenez. Uh, taking an incredibly uh, devastating uh, injury, one of the worst head injuries um, I've ever seen. Uh, and obviously, David Luiz was the culprit here, uh, but are, are we really surprised there? Um, but yeah, just really cool to see him back in action last week, Jared, uh, in his first uh, minutes back after just a horrific, not just head injury, but also head surgery and, and potential death. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, to be the, the trite Twitter guy, right? Everyone goes, oh, I'm a fan of this team, but you always have to respect the, uh, the, uh, the opposition. Obviously, as a U.S. fan, we're predisposed to dislike Mexican players. But Jimenez is a quality player. He's not a jerk. He's a nice dude. 
obviously the injury was heinous. You, you, you wish for his recovery as a human first, not even forgetting it playing. Mm. Uh, I hope that, I hope that all the proper medical protocols, it seems they have, have been mm. followed to make sure that he, when he's, you know, he's playing, he's, he's not at risk of getting re-injured, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of having like a, like a second impact syndrome kind of situation. That if he gets hurt again, God forbid, it is from a separate incident. Right. Um, and no, so, Jared, you know, Jared he, he enamored himself to me. Like, like yeah, I, I'm I mean, enamored to him at this point. Like, reading his quotes and stuff, he's very much the humble guy. He's like, I'm on this side of the ground and not the other. And he just, like, he downplayed it almost. It's like, dude, you almost died. And, like, you have a family and people who love you and stuff. And he was like, yeah, no, I know. But, like, I'm here and I, I can come back and play football. And I'm really grateful. I hope that's the case for his sake. I hope he's able to stay healthy for Wolves. I hope he's successful over there for them. Um, I will hope he healthily plays for Mexico, but does not score goals for them uh, yeah, right, selfishly. Right. But again, I'm, I'm happy he's playing. I think Wolves fans, obviously, they already really liked him, but now I think he's probably already moved into that kind of legend status. I think, you know, when he gets a couple goals in, in the Premier League, especially for their home games, yeah, obviously I think the fans will go nuts and, and it'll be a, a very cool sight to see. Yeah, goals for Wolves, not for Mexico. Keep starting Funes Mori up there and, you know, missing, you know, wide open nets uh, inside the six, uh, sir. Javier Hernandez Hernandez back in. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine by me too. Uh, And then the one player out uh, have to give – Uh, Again, proper respects. I mean, just mad respect uh, to the legend. Uh, Again, Jared and I, huge fans of the women's game. Uh, And uh, this particular player has just announced her retirement uh, from the U.S. women's national team. I believe she'll finish out her career in the National Women's Soccer League, uh, I think with Gotham. Right. Uh, But 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 yes, for the U.S. women's national team, she is now done uh, literally a bajillion uh, caps and goals. Uh, oh, not to mention uh, a Ballon d'Or, uh, Carly Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, I think she's, as you said, finishing out the season. I think she's going to get a couple of friendly swan songs uh, in the fall with the U.S. women as they go on their bronze medal victory tour, which uh, that's a separate matter entirely. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen there, – there are a few players on the planet, men or women, that have ever worked harder than Carly Lloyd. I mean, just mm. a work ethic that it, you, you just don't see very often. Uh, insane um, – length longevity success obviously no one will ever forget the world cup hat trick in the final um mm. I, I hate to say it, i think it's time uh, i think yeah. we move towards the next women's world cup not being for a couple of years i think she's what 39 now um and i think this is the first uh of these retirements from the u.s women's team as we kind of enter a new generation and it's going to be a generation that's not going to be forgotten two world cup titles uh, uh you know I think she was on. She might have been at the Olympic gold medals. I think from 2012 as well. So mm. I mean, her, you know, her career, her her medal cabinet is full. Uh, she went out. I'm not going to say on top, obviously, because the U.S. did not win the gold medal, but still playing at a pretty high level. Uh, went from being a midfielder to kind of more of a forward in her in her last couple of years, as her body just wasn't exactly the same as it was. But legendary career uh, won't be soon forgotten, obviously by you know, the women's soccer fans as a whole, but certainly never forgotten by the U.S. women's team. And I don't know what she's going to do with herself now. Um, I, I think she could probably in many ways be a really good coach if her husband allows it. I think she kind of referenced the idea that her husband was kind of like, look, I'm some, I'm behind you 100%, but like, you know, I'd like to spend some time with you now. And yeah. She right. kind of laughed it off. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's probably there's a, there's obviously some truth to that. So hopefully whatever she wants to do next, she's able to do and, and continue on in the game because I think she, she has a lot to give still, despite the fact that she'll be hanging up the cleats. Yeah. And whoever ends up having her in whatever capacity will be lucky to have, uh, because yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, 
people bear not just her husband but like friends family everyone barely saw like just her rehab was a full-time yeah. job right i mean here and everyone obviously saw the clip of her running sprints you know after a, an olympic loss and everything so uh props Hats off to Carly Lloyd, uh, and that is our positive note that we're going to end on. Uh, again, Jared, thank you so much for your time. Um, I want to thank uh, Adam Bender for being my guest uh, and providing some really cool insights uh, on a number of different topics. Uh, and, yeah, just for, for keeping the, the pod going, it's, it's been really fun. Uh, as I'm going to put in the description, I apologize for, you know, any uh, the audio uh, as well as the any slurring of words, uh, but I am currently outside the French Quarter here, uh, recording in a, uh, a a bathroom with twelve foot high ceilings, um, and I've got my my cool little mango Rita here with me, and it's dry, so I'm going to go get another one uh, and end the pot at that. So um, yeah, no marketing, no social media, like we said. So if you were mildly entertained, please uh, tell a friend and uh, and spread the word. Godspeed, vaya con Dios, cheers, y'all. Have a good one. And my apologies to Lucas Paqueta for forgetting you were on Olympic Waves. And we ended on that. <laughs> damn, damn straight we did. He's our striker. He's on fire. Ooh, hot. Hotter than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire. Grand talk was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh, and then Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Oh, I said Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Will Grigg is on fire. Will Greg is on fire